Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to the Race IndyCar podcast, live from the Indianapolis Speedway. Obviously it's not live for you because you listen to a podcast and it's been edited and it's in the past tense. But anyway, JR and I are here looking at the track. There's currently cars on track for Carb Day, which is interesting. We probably should be watching what's going on, but instead we're here having a nice chat between friends. So how are you doing, JR? And also I should ask you, are you looking forward to your uh, your little spin tonight in the midget? Yeah, my uh, USAC midget debut tonight. So definitely looking forward to that. And... Um, yeah, it's crazy being out here, being out for being out here for race week. Definitely a different vibe on my end, but uh, nice to nice to cruise the paddock and up and down the pit lane this morning and uh, and see everybody. So, um, you know, a nice we got looks like we got good weather and uh, everything's ready to roll. It was crazy when our podcast came out for qualifying last week. Um, you gave us such a kind of lovely summary of your feelings after you'd gone down into the pit lane at practice and been kind of inspired to get back into IndyCar and then mere hours after that interview happening um, <laughs> it looked like you could potentially be back in a car um, we should kind of uh, update on all that really I guess and just have a quick chat about that before we get too much into the race obviously Stefan Wilson had a crash in uh, in practice on, on Monday has been replaced by Graham Rahal at, at Dryer and Rhyme Ball Racing Kuzik Motorsport and uh, Stefan's been through surgery It's come through. he's come through that successfully I think um, I don't think the team has given any sort of timeline for his recovery but I think with that kind of injury it's usually about um, about three months so um, apparently Stefan's up and walking uh, in the hospital which is good he's had lots of people go to see him uh, Roman Grosjean spoke yesterday about uh, the fact that he you know, loved it when people visited him in um, in hospital in, in Bahrain after his crash there. So um, he was one of the people who made made it you know a, a priority to go and see Stefan. So I know Stefan appreciated that a lot, and he's had a lot of uh, visitors from from the paddock, which is which is really cool. And I think a lot of people are hoping that he's going to walk the track on Sunday, even if he's not part of the race now. Um, at least be part of the the grid walk or, or something like that. So so that'd be really cool to see. Um, I guess Graham was the 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 primary candidate he knows the Wilsons very well he kind of fit um, nicely in the storyline obviously he was very good friends with with Justin Wilson as well um, he'd also been out on track so didn't need any sort of uh, proper refresher so I guess there's no hard feelings from your side that he was the first person who who got the nod but um, yeah I guess give us your kind of you you did like a little Twitter thread about that and uh, how you kind of felt about that whole situation yeah I, I mean I, the, only, the only reason I even jumped on Twitter was just because I had so many people reaching out to me and and kind of assuming that I was the <laughs> the you know first whatever what I was the obvious candidate to get in I think a lot of that is just because uh, you know I think there's there's a an assumption from the outside that the manufacturers play a huge role in what drivers do and, and where they end up and in Graham's case I I guess that that may be even more so than other guys because he's so involved with that team but ultimately the manufacturers are here to kind of help the teams do what they need to do and in this case, I think 
you know, from a business perspective, from a team point of view, you know, you mentioned, if nothing else, Graham has been on track all week, and I haven't. So that all by itself, with the only available practice going to be, you know, the couple hours that we're watching today, an hour of which you kind of give away to, you know, pit stop practice and this kind of stuff. Um, you know, all of that, I think, made him kind of the obvious candidate. Uh, it, it helps Ray Hall's sponsors. I, I was going to be, you know, while a lot of people in Graham even said that he was going to be surprised that Honda and Chevy kind of managed to get their, you know, get their stuff straight to make this happen. I was going to be surprised if that didn't transpire, frankly. You see you see how you see how closely the manufacturers are actually working together in IndyCar right now to kind of build IndyCar up and do all this With kind of hybrid. stuff. They're working so closely together yeah, on the I mean, hybrid. They're having meetings every, every race together. Yeah, I mean, so. they're, they're co-building yeah. this hybrid powertrain, which is... We'll talk about that some other time. I actually got some intel on that this week, which was pretty amazing, actually, the work that they've done together to take this from kind of a third-party spec unit. And when what we had heard about it in that context to what it is now is a pretty incredible transformation. So I think that just goes to show, you know, that's, that wasn't going to be a huge aspect of this one way or the other. Um so yeah, I mean, I, I think I think in in a slightly if if it had been anybody but Graham who had gotten bumped out of the race, <laughs> I think we might car. be having a different conversation <laughs> here. But uh, <laughs> in that particular situation, you know, Bobby and Dennis are friends. Um, yeah, you know, there, there's a lot there's a lot kind of packaged into that. So uh-huh. um, you know, I yeah, like you said, no hard feelings on my end. I mean, you, you, at the end of the day, this is sort of a business, and and you got to understand the way that those decisions are made. I think uh, we spoke about how well. Jack Harvey had handled Sunday and also Graham as well in, in, in terms of the bumping and their kind of post-race comments and stuff like that and I think uh, Graham followed that up brilliantly with the press conference he gave uh, after the announcement that he was not, that he was going to race for for Dryer. We did a feature on uh, thehyphenrace.com that you can go and read um, which covers off a lot of uh, kind of what Graham was saying there. Um, again a lot about the Wilsons and um, him maybe feeling like he had like an not an obligation but um it just felt right that that call came and it was to help Wil- uh, to help a wilson out like it felt um like a uh, a significant thing for graham to be able to do so i know he's um, i know he's pleased about that side of things but also kind of towed the line of you know not being overly um excited about replacing someone who's now lost their seat in the 500 which is a really you know it's a difficult line to to run when you've been bumped out of the race and what that must feel like and then to be given a second chance must be you know the the greatest feeling especially in a car that graham had, had graham had actually text ryan hunter Ray the week before to say um your car's on rails man i think you can win the race and now he's going to be a, a teammate uh, driving a similar car i guess so uh, graham must you be really excited yeah yeah exactly it must be <laughs> definitely there's no argument about that is there absolutely not um let's go on to the race a bit jr uh, we spoke about qualifying obviously so um if you're uh, a bit unsure about how the grid kind of has set itself up go back and listen to our episode from earlier this week we had interviews with uh, callum Eilat and also the, the fastest ever indy 500 pole city Alex Pillow with some uh, Jack Harvey from the press conference thrown in there so you can go back and uh, catch up with that now uh, pause go and listen to that and then come back but um, we'll dive straight in I guess I'm, I kind of want to start with where you think the race can be won from this year because I guess there's loads of brilliant I love going through the stats of like um which uh, grid number has like won the race and when the last time it happened was so i think the i think the last year we'd done the because we were so obsessed with helio because it was his like he was defending the win from the year before he'd started 26th and i think it was like 1930 something was the last time the race had been won from 26th i love those kind of stats they're, <laughs> they're great at the 500 but i guess um i'll give you mine first i'm looking at like simon pagano and 22nd as being like the probably unless something absolutely 
ridiculous happens with strategy that's probably as far back as I think things are, are probably going to go there I think Simon and Helio obviously um, qualified a bit further back last year and both of them were I think they were seventh and eighth in the in the race uh, by the end obviously making your way up from sort of 26th and, and back um, is you know it's one thing getting into the top 10 it's a very different thing being able to challenge for the win um, so I'm not too excited about them finishing seventh and eighth but I think that kind of I guess a lot of this is going to come down to, and we'll talk about this in a minute, is how easy it's going to be to overtake back in the in the pack and how much of that's going to need to be done on strategy. But yeah, I, I guess I'm kind of looking at Pagano forwards as the, where, where our win is going to come from on Sunday. I think, I guess I would say on, uh, with a different argument, I would sort of agree just in terms of, you know, where everybody's at. I think ultimately it just comes down to who's in what car and where are they at in the pack. Uh, I think Simon is your cutoff for that reason also. Mm -hmm. You've got Simon, Colton, Elio, and then on up from there, I mean, I, I think this this kind of group of cars from 12th to 20th or 21st, we'll say, to include Colton, uh, you know, Willpower, Ed Carpenter, Scott McLaughlin, okay, Kirkwood, Daly, Hunter Ray, Grosjean, I'm not sure that I put those guys quite in the same category as Power, Carpenter, McLaughlin, Newgarden, you know, and, and maybe Colton is kind of like an outside shot. And the only reason I don't include the Meyer Shank cars is just because it's sort of just I've just watching practice. I haven't been super impressed with with those cars. They shouldn't be that different than the Andretti cars. So maybe that's just kind of circumstantial watching watching here and there, but not not kind of getting the complete picture. But there's definitely a bunch of cars that are outside the top ten that. I think have a very genuine shot at this if they can find themselves up at the front. You know, qualifying this year, not only was it very close, but I guess kind of leading into what do I expect to happen here for the race, I do think that there's been a, a gain made in terms of the aero parts, in terms of the way that the cars run. It's You're not going to see a completely different type of race than we've had over the last couple of years but just talking get kind of getting a sense of what the teams are feeling what some of the drivers are feeling like running in traffic over the last week the consensus to me has been you know over the last couple of, last year we'll just say in particular you had to be you had to be in a ganassi car to be any good if you were further back than three cars back to be able to make basically any headway through a through a group of cars and that while that hasn't changed dramatically there was a number of drivers and teams that i spoke with just you know even earlier today on carb day that kind of felt like all right if we get it right you know we could be four or five cars back and still be making our way forward or or at least be able to make good on a small mistake from the car in front whereas over the last couple of years even in that scenario you haven't really been able to do anything with it you've been so so many car lengths back that you're still just catching somebody up that's made a mistake at the end of the straightaway rather than being in a situation where you can really make a pass so uh, i do think that it may still require some strategy for those cars that are 10th to 20th basically to you know they're going to need to work their way forward and get themselves into the top 10 kind of by the halfway point these last few races have been really fast that last hundred laps has counted down really quickly i mean i've been in that spot where you're looking up at the board at 100 laps or 110 laps and it's kind of like if you're if you're not in the ballpark of being in the mix at that point it's probably just not going to happen you've seen some really alex below a good example 
he was working his way up already at that point, I think from getting a penalty or, or if not, then shortly after that. And in one of the best cars in the field, just can't actually make enough progress to get himself completely back up into the picture. So, um, you know, it's, it's not, I don't think those, I don't think those drivers are the odds on favorites, certainly to be running up at the front. You have to have some things go wrong for, Polo, VK, Rosen, you know, the, the Aero McLaren cars, you know, all of that to be able to run up front. But uh, there's definitely some drivers that, with a little help from circumstance and good pit stops and good racecraft, uh, I, I think there's some there's a window for those cars to make their way up through the field. Yeah, it's like, it, it sounds easy to say you need to kind of average, like, passing two cars per stint or three cars per stint, but it's a much more difficult um, it's much more difficult than just saying that out loud. Yeah, and I guess you t- you tend if you're starting that far back, you tend to benefit from cars having issues in mm-hmm. front of you. So you know it's it, that goes a little bit both ways, right? Like you're going to end up if you end up at the front, it'll be because you've got a good you car. Had one, yeah, it'll be because you had a good car, but there will also inevitably end up being a stint where you end up passing or you end up moving forward five or six positions and you've only passed one car on track, mm-hmm. right? And so that's, you know, typically when you see, even even for those guys that have ended up finishing fourth, seventh, you know, ninth, whatever, from starting outside the top 15, you're always benefiting to some degree from that type of thing transpiring. If the race just, if all 33 cars finish, like you're not coming from 20th to win this race. It's just not going to happen. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I guess just to pick out some of the things that people should be looking for while they're getting ready to watch the race or, or watching the race, um, depending on when you listen to the podcast. Obviously, I think pit stops you mentioned it just immediately jumped out to me as something that people probably underestimate and don't really, um, or, or maybe don't appreciate just how significant they they are in the 500, um, just because of the fact that you you know you're making that many stops. Um, how many stops did you make last year in your race? Was it five or? Uh, it was at least six. Six. So. You're looking at five or six stops. They all need to be perfect if you're going to win the race. And it's I know we talk a lot about the, you know, being able to pass, moving through the pack and, and stuff like that. But, you know, how often at the 500 do you find one, two, three seconds, you know, in, in a lap? It's just in a stint. It just doesn't really happen, does it? Um, so pit stops are, you know, so significant in this race. There's, you know, it's, I know people might want to like go and make a coffee or mm-hmm. get themselves a beer while the pit stops are happening but definitely like just pay attention to the order before the pit stops start to happen and you'll see people moving around and that'll be one of the biggest things that decides the the race the the other thing that the drivers are talking about um from from media day yesterday is just the temperature and how that's going to impact things um depending on which team driver you speak to they all have different opinions on what's going to happen obviously because it's the 500 but um i think um every year tire wear seems to come up as like a a thing that could happen in the race and then never really seems to be like um a, 
obviously there's tyre wear and the tyres do go off at the end of the stint but you, I don't think you tend to get like one team being horrendous on tyre wear and then the rest of the field being fantastic like that's not really how the 500 tends to usually work but there is a bit of a there does seem to be a bit of that talk again this year um, especially we've just seen some of the tyres coming off the cars you know looking pretty bad after a stint um, and also some teams seeming to be struggling in different temperatures I guess um, for example Aaron McLaren seemed to be uh, a little bit worse off than some of the other teams when it's really hot um, that might be down to setup. Um, you've got to consider the wind and everything as well. It's not as simple as just saying the track's hot, Aaron McLaren are going to be bad. But the the tyres do seem to be this year a little bit more of a talking point than perhaps they have been in the past. So that's going to be interesting to to see. Um, I guess do you have any any opinion on that? I guess you know you've driven through the last few years where you've, you've obviously heard people talking about you know our tyres are going to be an issue in the 500, and then it doesn't really tend to play out that way. Yeah, it's just it's also tough because it's it's sort of rare even through today even through the carb day practice that you're you, that you just go out on a sticker set of tires and go run the entire session without uh-huh. an added heat cycle without any of that stuff and that you're also never on the same when you're in the race you're on the same uh, unless unless you've got kind of a mismatch of strategies in essence you're on the same tire strategy you're on the same you've pitted on roughly the same lap you're on the same kind of wear cycle as everybody else. So I think part of why that ends up coming up in practice at times is just because, or earlier in the week, I should say at times, is because you end up with these weird mismatches that either make you think you're really good or really bad, in part just because you're not on the same tire, you're not in the same tire situation as the cars that you're around on track. And that oftentimes you're on, you know, you'll, you'll use a bunch of sets of tires on Fast Friday and maybe even before that doing qual sims into qualifying. You'll hang on to those sets of tires. Those are a lot of times the tires that you're using then to do a bunch of your race running, which already have a heat cycle on them, already have been worn the hell out, frankly, from doing a qualifying, especially if you've done a full pull qualifying run on them. Like, regardless of whether the balance was good or not by the end, like, that's that's a lot of that is a lot of wear to have put on a set of tires in addition to that heat cycle makes the car kind of feel weird sometimes. So yeah, I think for all of those reasons, just kind of the pragmatic situation scenario that exists, uh, you know, from how you use tires going through practice, you get more convergence in terms of the way the tire wear works in the race than you do at any other point during the week. I, I do think that, it's it's definitely possible for cars to go off and the heat is also going to be a sensitivity i think just because of the sense the, the sensitivity that the cars have like the aero map for the cars is very sensitive i i mean i had i had two different teams tell me completely di- teams that are running cars that are like inside the top 10 that told me completely different things about how they thought that the field was going to uh look in terms of the aero parts they had on the car like one team said no question free downforce running the extra inboard strike basically on the front of the underwing and another team said they're horrendously sensitive i don't think anybody will run them um and so that just kind of goes to show you there there are going to be we talked about this prior to the month that there i had the expectation that everybody will just end up landing on the same thing because there will be one obvious way to do it. And and it has turned out that that's definitely not the case. And, and that will all kind of factor into 
if you get that right, then you do have free downforce for an entire stint. If you get that wrong, or it's bad when the car is on full fuel and then it gets better when it's not or whatever, you might have some cars that come and go a little bit over the course of a stint having nothing to do really with tire wear, but just because of, you know, differences that teams, you know, choose to make basically in terms of their approach to the race. We, uh, someone we both know uh, very well uh, did let us know that um, I think it was Scott Dixon at Texas who said all the cars were running all of the parts and the, one of our mutual friends let us know in no uncertain terms that, that was not the case because they had not run all of the parts. Um, and I, I guess Will Power yesterday um, in the in the media day said that he expected everyone to run all the parts. Um, so Penske might be one of them teams you were um, kind of referring to there. And if they weren't, they're another team that think that it's going to be a whole uh, we need to run all the parts situation. Um, but definitely, I've spoke to other teams like you say who who say they're not running certain parts and they um, they've got a different approach. So uh, I guess a lot of that is ride height. We spoke about that in the in the build up to the the 500 um so you can go back and listen to that episode um the preview episode where we talked about the the new aero parts and how they might impact things um in a little bit more detail you can also read about that on the hyphenrace.com as well if you go to the indycar section and scroll back a little bit you'll find that in a minute i'm going to ask you to pick a favorite and a dark horse so i'm just putting you on notice that that's coming up but before we, before we do that um honda and chevy is another um kind of storyline to, to kind of pick out um especially if you're listening to this podcast as a, a formula one fan or, or someone coming from um you know a different background maybe you don't watch as much uh, indycar racing it's one of the few elite series left in the world that has a, an engine war ongoing and it's definitely a war they're uh, they're they're friendly uh <laughs> off the off the track but when it comes to on the track it's uh, it's an all-out battle for sure um i, I guess just wanted to kind of pick up because we didn't really discuss it too much in qualifying, but I definitely felt like Chevrolet had the best package in, in qualifying personally. And there's still a little bit of kind of um and ah in between the teams that who's who's been the best there, but I definitely felt like Ganassi just did a super job with Polo and that the fact that VK and Rosenquist were so close behind kind of pointed a little bit to that, that it might not be as simple as just looking at Honda and Chevy and that there's a you know big team aspect to this. Obviously, how the cars handle is not down to, to Honda and Chevy, but also in the race running, it looks like Chevrolet seem to have made a, a significant step forward as well. So I think people who maybe look at the pole, they see Alex Plow on pole, it's the fastest, you know, the fastest pole in, in any 500 history. Honda must have the edge. I don't, really don't think it's that simple. And I think even, even in qualifying, I think Chevrolet will probably if they weren't as good as Honda, then they were better. So um, how do you see that playing out in the race? Um, I guess fuel mileage is going to be such a, a big element of that battle as well. I think it tends... Well, first I'll say I, I agree with you that I think that from last year to this year, one of the things that stands out for sure is just how many more Chevys are in the top 12 and that that's not coincidental because you've also got it across, what, Four different Chevy teams in the speed drops as well. You can see basically the, so the speeds are high. That's like things like that don't just magically happen. It's not like it's not like those four Chevy teams just got better. No. Um, they did. I think they. I think they also. Oh, yeah, got yeah, better, yeah, yeah. Almost certainly. I don't think that the the sort of you know complete swap of that many cars inside the top twelve is coincidental. Um, the other part of it is, and and I I did speak to. A, a friend of ours at Ganassi who thought the same thing, basically. Like, you yep. know, they were, they felt like they were on the back foot to get pole, basically, because uh -huh. they felt like Chevy just brought the heat for qualifying. Well, Rosenquist um, proved that in the top twelve, didn't he? You know, they the, were, and I and I would I would sort of agree with this. Felt like 
going into the race, it's more of an unknown in terms of what the difference is. And that, generally speaking, there have been a couple of years where, and, and usually this has been in Honda's favor, where they've suddenly just been extremely good in the race, like clearly better. Um, usually whatever difference occurs in qualifying is less significant when it comes to the race anyway. And so I guess I would say I don't, I don't foresee it's this is it's become such a handling race that makes such a big difference. I don't think there's going to be enough of a difference between the manufacturers on race day, regardless of which one is better, for that to really define the outcome. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I, I say that in part because I I kind of still think Ganassi is the has the best package basically, and so yeah. If that's the case, then even if Chevy has made, a, you'd think if one of them has made a step forward or a more significant step forward from last year, it's Chevy, just because it seems like that's what we've seen in qualifying. We haven't really had evidence during the week of practice to say that Honda's like holding something back for race day. We'll see what the time, what the sheet looks like at the end of the day today, just to see if there's anything that we can glean from that. Um, you know, but ultimately, I think it's going to be quite close. And it's just going to come down to who executes the best and and who's basically got the best car underneath them at the end of the race for however that stint starts to play out. The race does basically as you start, as the sun starts to go down, as you start to get grandstand shade over turn one in the front straightaway, the track does grip up and get faster at the end of the race. So at that point, what are the teams that can trim out, still run flat, end up a couple of cars back, make their way back up to the lead? you'll kind of see that start playing out i think over the last call it 40 50 laps um you'll start to see i think the players really emerge at that point and the the fuel mileage is uncertain for for two different separate reasons i, I guess the first one is that we've got new 100 percent renewable shell fuel for this year so how that plays out in the 500 is going to be a, an interesting kind of factor to consider and also i guess it's like the evolution of carb day that for well since i guess is it 1963 was the last time like carbs were used at the 500 so like carb day been a minute yeah yeah so um so carb day is not a very good like uh, descriptive name for it anymore uh, there was probably quite a few years there or, or decades even where it was literally just the final practice before the 500 where you just kind of perfected a few things and and got going again but i guess in more recent history it's been uh, a time where the manufacturers have used it to perfect their kind of mapping and the ecus which is a big you know aspect of the the race as well so i guess we'll we won't know a whole lot more about that kind of stuff until after you know today's actions finished and we hear a bit more from the, the manufacturers but fuel mileage will be something to watch uh, keep an eye on that fuel it's really cool to see IndyCar using that fuel in the 500 um you know it's cool that they're using it all year but especially at the 500 when so many people are watching it's really um that's a, a really cool thing to see so we'll keep an eye on that as well go on then jr who's your uh do you want to start with the dark horse who, who are you going to pick as a dark horse for mm. for the race win I, I guess I'll say my my dark horse. Um, I'll, I'll I'll sort of throw the caveat here that I'm not just gonna. It's 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 uh, it's both because of where they're starting and because I don't think that they're necessarily somebody that you'd say for sure they've got all the tools to do it that we haven't necessarily seen that. But I'll go with McLaughlin. Okay. In in P14 there. Um, I think the Penske's have definitely been better. I think they're better relative to where they have been in race trim, even as they are in qualifying. So obviously they missed for, I think, where they thought they'd be in qualifying. But, um, you know, Scott, I think sort of strikes me as 
as a guy that maybe still doesn't know what he doesn't know about this place and that maybe that's to his benefit. So he's right in that kind of sweet spot of having had enough experience here. He's had some things go wrong. He's been a little, you know, too, uh, too aggressive on aero balance and some things like that on race day. But, um, you know, I look at him as somebody that can definitely make a statement in this race for sure. I mean, New Garden starting a couple of, a few spots further back, I guess I have a hard time categorizing him as somebody who's ever, who you'd ever say is a dark horse. So I look at like, you know, Ed Carpenter starting outside the top 12, New Garden, he's, you know, 17th or whatever. I'm, I'm not sure I'm willing to say that they're dark horses. I think that from where they're starting maybe, but uh, Scott may be a more, more true blue there from that perspective. I think New Garden's a good, a good dark horse pick for, for me. Um, uh, I guess I was kind of looking in that region because I, I quite, I've quite liked the look of Connor Daly's car through the whole month, to be honest. I think he's in race running, especially he's looked really comfortable. And he's been one of those guys who doesn't seem to have any confusion over the aero side of things. It's just been like he's they've basically run the same thing since they unloaded pretty much with a few little tweaks. And they've just been happy with it all month. And that's got to be a nice position to be in compared to some of these other guys who are like, we tried like Joseph on the Monday practice, tried something to- like a whole totally new package and hated it and was awful. Um, and, and to me, you know, the, I mean, I understand the process of going through all these packages to try them and, and see what they're like, but you'd like to think at that point you didn't need to you know, try a whole new package. You would be happy with kind of where you're at. Um, so I'm not necessarily, necessarily saying that's a bad thing for Joseph. Maybe it literally is just uh, something they wanted to try and, and see how it goes. And when they bolt the old stuff back on, they're going to be, you know, back to where they were before. But he's definitely been someone who the other drivers have picked out as maybe like a bit of a bit of a dark horse in terms of, again, like you said, where they're starting because... The, the kind of favourite guys that people have been talking about are, are Felix and Pato, um, uh, Palo uh, in the race, and Dixon. Uh, and there was, I think there was one other as well people have been talking about. I think Daly was actually uh, someone, a couple of people have picked out that they've enjoyed running with him, you know, in practice and been impressed by his car. So um, I've not really answered there, have I? I think I'll go with, uh, I'll go with New Garden as a dark horse. Um, I think he can, I think he can potentially move forward. Have you got an obvious favorite here um, i think my i think my favorite here is going to be Pillow. okay because i just think i think that package doesn't have any weak points i think he's 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 a good learner right so he's not gonna ever i don't think he'll he's not a guy that makes the same mistake twice so i think that we'll see him just on the right i think he and that team in terms of strategy that they choose through the race and kind of what they decide to do they're going to be in a position where they don't have to take big risks and so i think that they probably won't um you know we've seen we've seen other drivers and teams over the course of the last couple of years since we've been doing this podcast just be like take do stuff like that just to try to like bury everybody and uh, that just doesn't strike me as the mo of that driver or that team so i think I'd be really surprised if he, they're, they're going to have to have something go really wrong for him not to be in the mix at the end of the race. And oh, I yeah. think that that Ganassi package is really good. And, and it just sort of strikes me that they've had, whether it's just they've had a little bit of a smoother month or, or whatever it is, they seem like they've got a little bit of a, they've separated themselves just a tick from the nine car. It's just, it just feels that way. That may not end up being true on race day. I mean, it's picking, I, you know, Picking against Scott Dixon is never a good idea around here. And I and if if he if I was to say who would be 
sort of my favorite winner, it would be Scott, just because I think that you, you never say that somebody deserves something that they don't have around this place. But him having a second 500 win, I think, would really cement the the feeling that those of us within the paddock have about how good he is just in general but particularly around this place and you never really know how many more shots they're going to have at it i guess i would i'm just going to add to my dark horse pick i sort of didn't i didn't add him in because he's starting so far up to the front but santino is definitely in a car that can go win this race i think unquestionably so it seems weird to pick the guy that's starting on the inside of the second row as being a dark horse, but no, I get I get why you would do that. You know, I think like that. That's as as much as it pains me to just not be in one of those cars this year, and like so, I kind of almost like I. Yeah. There's part of me that doesn't want to pick. Please him. don't punch um, my laptop screen while you're. But I think it's <laughs> it's more than realistic that if they have a good race, that he he's one of those guys. Like if the car is good. He's just going to go drive it. Like, there's oh, yeah. no, there's not a lot of, in, in a good way, there's not a lot of, like, extra thought that goes into it at that point. So, no lack of bravery, Michael Cannon told me on uh, Monday. It kind of sums up Fruit yeah, quite well. <laughs> definitely not. So, <laughs> I, I think that uh, even am- among the other guys in the top five or six or something, like, I don't, I don't know necessarily based on what we've seen and what we kind of know about that group take pit stops and and any of the rest of it out of the equation if he's in the mix at the end like he's going to be as dangerous as anybody i think that that's where he might struggle is the pit stops i think ganassi mclaren penske those guys are so just so polished now that you know it's going to be difficult for Foyt to to match that over the course of the whole race i mean it'd be fine if it was a two two or three stop race but it's obviously not so um but yeah i agree picking him out's a good a good shout uh, he's finishing the top 10 every 500 that he's done he's never qualified higher than 15th delivering all of those top tens so you like to think the odds of him starting fourth gives him a, a good chance at being on the podium or, or fighting for the win uh, i like polo as a shout um it's fairly obvious with him starting on pole but his car's also been great in race running and, and in practice as well so he'll definitely be someone to keep an eye on and just to add to scott i think you could easily chalk up two or three wins that he should have through no fault of his own um through court, you know, race ending under caution, or um, you know, the Sato is the big one that really frustrates him from a few years back, um, because he, he he says he knows that Sato couldn't have made the end of the race on the fuel, so he would have won that race if there was no uh, caution at the end. So, I guess those are the big ones for for him. I think um, I'm struggling a bit with the favourite JR, but I think I'm going to go for Rossi as my favourite. Mm. Um, I was kind of toying with Pato and Rossi. I just feel like it'd be such a cool story and there's just so much momentum behind Rossi's team at the moment. Um, I think where that might fall down is the inexperience of quite a few of the people on his team um, and, and how that might affect his his race. But um, I, I think the he just seems so relaxed and so kind of comfortable and at home in that team. And it's, it's not to say he wasn't comfortable and at home at Andretti. It just feels like in a bit of a different way. He just seems to have, I don't know if, I don't want to get too much into like breaking down his psyche or anything like that. It just seems it just seems in a really cool place for for him to be in, and he's still like the kind of a little bit sarcastic, you know, a few short answers. Um, it's sometimes if he doesn't like a question, he's going to give you a short answer, that kind of thing. Um, he's still definitely Alexander Rossi in every way, shape, or form. But um, that new surroundings just seems to have really uh, perked him up, and I think a lot of what you know the what you would 
associate the McLaren drivers with doing, like all the social stuff and all the kind of TikToks and all that kind of stuff is not really how you would think, um, you know, Rossi would be. Um, but he's definitely, you know, he's admitted he doesn't like some of that stuff, but he's there's some of it that he has enjoyed. And um, it just really feels like everyone who goes into that team, whether it's, um, you know, Felix or, or now Alexander, um, TK didn't need opening up any but um, <laughs> it definitely feels like Felix and, and Alexander just coming out of their shells a little bit more just being a bit more kind of just showing a bit more of their personality and, and that kind of stuff it just feels like Rossi's really um, really comfortable and at home and um, I think he was another one who looked good in, in his race running so yeah I'm going to pick I'm going to pick Rossi as my uh, favourite it also, also must be nice as a driver to be to know that one of the reasons that someone's brought you into a team is to you know target the 500 and I think that's something that, you know, I don't think Zach's said it in, in this explicit kind of way, but obviously Zach's had Juan Pablo and now he's got Tony. Um, but I th he's not had a young 500 winner, basically, not to be offensive to those two guys, but someone who is like still in the absolute prime of their career, um, is a, you know, a proven race winner, someone who's won the 500 before with that experience, but also with that kind of bringing that kind of youthful prime to the equation so um that must be a real a real confidence boost for him in in a certain way and um i'll be interested to see you know kind of how that plays out on uh, on sunday you like rossi yeah i think it's a good pick i mean it's uh, there's Pato's either one like yeah he, i could easily go for him as well but yeah i agree i mean i think uh, among the rest of the drivers there you look at it's it's hard to it's hard to count any of those guys out, right? Like we're just standing here, we're sitting here looking at the, at the starting order. It's, <laughs> it's kind of so like it's like twelve Pato, people Dixon, Rossi, Taku, you know, Tony, Marcus, any of those guys for sure in the right. You know, just if the race goes their way, if it kind of flows the right direction for them, if they don't have mistakes, if they end up kind of like if any of those guys end up in the top four, I'd say in the final stint, they're all a threat. Mm -hmm like unquestionably so willpower sitting 12th i mean as as we're sitting here he's p3 on the board right now um can you see the timing screen I can. through the oh my i wondered why you kept looking out the window <laughs> it's like the this week in the press conferences they've got like a screen that's pointing at the inside the press conference so you ask the drivers a question they're just they're like <laughs> and to kind of explain like for like for listeners what i'm doing right now i'm kind of like perched my head upwards to the right because we got sato dixon power uh top hello <laughs> top four this is gonna be so out so. of date by the time people are listening to this yeah. podcast they're like what the hell um yeah, I think um, uh, I lost my train of thought for a minute there, but then remembered that um, it was Marcus Ericsson that I wanted to speak about next because I'd be very upset if we don't mention him uh, in any way, shape or form, whether it's a dark horse or a, or a favourite. Uh, I feel like it's been a very kind of 2022 month for him, though. He's kind of gone under the radar. Um, he spoke about this on the podcast, didn't he, um, last month about... Uh, last year he felt really comfortable because he was the only guy who people were, weren't really paying attention to because mm -hmm. he was in a team of 500 winners uh, and and Alex was obviously the reigning champion so uh, he, he, there was kind of no attention on Marcus at all and he, he just kind of delivered that kind of qualifying performance you know roughly where he's at now um, had a good race you know worked his way forward etc etc um, the first thing I want to say is he's probably got one of the coolest helmets in the field mm -hmm. have you seen it? yeah it's wild it's a it's a JPS Ronnie Peterson uh, it's very similar design to last year, actually. Pretty much the same Ronnie yeah. Peterson yeah. Um, kind of throwback, but with uh, black and gold in, instead. So I'd definitely go out and check that on uh, on social media. Um, he's also someone who definitely could win this race, right? Um, we've not no mentioned doubt. him. Um, he's 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 looked 
it, almost exactly the same as 2022. Looked strong in the race running, delivered a decent qualifying performance, and he'll there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that he'll be there or thereabouts when it comes to the end of the race. Yeah, exactly. That's that's kind of why I say all of those guys from Pato, the rest of the top ten basically yeah. from yeah, Pato yeah. down to Marcus. You know, to pick one, you've picked Alexander out of that group as uh-huh. as a guy to win. I guess I think the advantage at Ganassi is with Polo, uh-huh. and it and it just seems like they've been able to eke a little bit more out of their situation. So, but but between he and Scott and Taku and Marcus, there's nothing between them in terms of their. It, it's just going to be circumstance at the end of the race. Like how how do things look going into the last stint? Have, are and are all of them still in it? If they're all still in it, then you're kind of, you know, odds are that Polo is still the furthest forward because he's starting the furthest forward, and he'll be able to kind of control that situation. As soon as any strategy or any hiccups start to play a role in where those guys are among each other, then you know, it, it, like Marcus could very easily again be the guy that is elevated and you know goes back to back. I mean, that's. In some respects, to me, that's just as likely as Taku or Scott ending up in that spot at the end of the race. I think that, again, I think among those guys, Alex has the advantage and has just seemed like they've been able to squeeze a little more out of it. So from that point of view, I guess I think that's why he's still my he's still my choice, sort of just based on what we've seen thus far over the month. Hi, producer Johnny here. Interrupting the show momentarily to tell you about Roan, a clothes brand we think you'd like. I don't know about you, but finding clothes you like can be tough. Sizes can vary from brand to brand, and fabrics can be poor quality or uncomfortable. We all know a good outfit can impact your confidence and help you feel your best, and that's where Roan comes in. Their range of stylish, functional, business casual menswear helps you look good without having to think about it. It's versatile, high quality and durable, and works in a range of social and professional settings. Roan's commuter collection includes products for every occasion, including the world's most comfortable pants, dress shirts, quarter zips, polos and blazers. It also features, and get this, wrinkle release technology and gold fusion anti-odor technology for more wears between washes, so you'll be fresh and clean all day long. Roan were kind enough to send me a shirt and some pants from the commuter collection, and I can tell they're gonna be part of my wardrobe for a long time to come. The commuter collection could get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. Head to roan.com forward slash race and use promo code race to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to rhone.com forward slash race and use code race. It's time to find your corner office comfort. Just a couple of other bits to finish. I wanted to point out that the attendance over this race has been absolutely awesome. Uh, we're, we're at Carb Day today. I don't know about you, but I actually, I actually had to queue in traffic to get into the actual track today, which you probably got some like J.R. Hildebrand. I just like, walked. Did you? So, okay. Yeah. I was going to say you probably got some like J.R. Hildebrand like uh, themed uh, credential or something that goes on the windscreen and you just drive past everybody and roll into the circuit. But um I'm not that important, so My I don't horn get one plays of those. The Star Spangled <laughs> Banner, so they know I'm coming from Amazing. a distance. Brilliant. Yeah, so it's cute today, and they, they reckon this is going to be the biggest Carb Day crowd since uh, 2016. All, but all, almost all the records you'll hear referred to are 2016 because it was the 100th running of the race, but um, I think there are about 2,000 tickets off. Um, 
selling out basically for for the race which is absolutely incredible shows the momentum of the race um if you're planning on coming to the 500 in 2024 i definitely say get planning it now and get it um, get it all booked in because the race just seems to be uh, going from strength to strength and when you to see be among the 350,000 people who are here it is crazy really when you think about that because I thought one of the things that I wanted just to bring up at some point yeah, yeah, go was you know you hear you, you see uh, on the F1 races that are in the US now they're you know they talk about the attendant yeah. the weekend attendance yeah I think it's worth mentioning that okay so at Austin last year they had you know 280,000 yeah. what, what I'm making that up oh. but it was something like that right <laughs> But you got to think that that's that's a lot of repeat attendance Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So yep. it's not like you have three, 250 individual people that are showing up to 250,000 individual yep. people who are showing up to the race over the course of the weekend. Like that is really where the Indianapolis 500 is so much different. It's just a single day event like this far and away surpasses any other motorsport event by like 2x for one day attendance oh, yeah. so it is it is pretty wild it's a pretty wild you go to any of those other races you know for f1 fans out there you go to any of those races that stack up in in like the high race day attendance for an f1 race and this does having having been there as a yeah, fan yeah. and having done that before like it is just Depending a on the whole, race it is double it is just a whole different it is almost double almost you know, always double the program size. here when you when you get to indy down the front straight in away the media, in the media day i can't remember the driver or the journalist who asked but someone said is this the biggest crowd you you've uh, competed in or the biggest crowd you've been in front of and i was like well this is the biggest single day sporting event in the world so of course it's the biggest <laughs> event. of course it's the biggest like attendance they've ever competed or, or driven in front of like it's the biggest one there's nothing bigger than this yeah unless you were here <laughs> seven years ago or whatever yeah. <laughs> well yeah 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 definitely uh, but that person wasn't so it was definitely a, it was definitely a bit of a dodgy question but yeah um attendance is up it, it this definitely feels like some momentum uh, the it's just cool to get down and be in the paddock and see how many people are here even in like the rain delay on the tuesday when you were here like there was a lot of people here when there was nothing going on on track and you know, a lot of these people live in indiana they they see the rain and they could stay at home and still you know come out and and check things out so it's been really cool and uh, yeah i think i think we do a pretty good job of this on you know every year on, on the pod but it's it's the spectacle is just unlike anything else in motorsports come here and see what it's like even the pre-race kind of ceremony and stuff and, and to be part of that but just to stand it at turn one or on top of the grandstand next to the pit lane and physically feel the air coming off the cars and like see a car doing 240 miles an hour into a corner it's just i can't even explain what what that's like and you know, i've been to many f1 races and, and many other types of motorsport um, and the combination of all of those things definitely is unrivaled so if you are planning on getting out here i know it's expensive and not everyone can afford to do it but if it's something you can get out and do it's definitely worth doing jr before we go should probably say good luck with your uh, race tonight how much horsepower has your midget got again it's like 400 horsepower and, and it weighs thing weighs a thousand pounds with me yeah. in it so. so you're an idiot <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're gonna you're gonna have a ball and, and the team you're running for is good right they, 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 yeah, uh, yeah. They know no, it's uh, sarah fisher and and andy o'gara their team uh you know kyle kyle o'gara you know of the f- i don't think he won the carbonate classic last year i think he finished second or third but he won two out of the four races at irp last year in this yep. car so um, you know, you can just watch me get spanked by somebody who's <laughs> actually really good at it. Um, but yeah, no, it's, uh, it's going to be exciting and, you know, I like doing, I like doing new things. So I'll, if, if absolutely nothing else, I'll have learned something new by the end of the night. One more piece of advice. If you are not coming to the race and you are watching from home, 
this is not an ad. Make sure you get the the IndyCar app, um, just so you can, if you, I mean, if you want to, and you and you do things this way. But if you just have it open on your phone, you can watch them on boards. Uh, if you watch the onboards, you can get the radio as well. Um, the radio is fantastic to get a bit of an idea about strategy and what the guys are discussing. Obviously, you will also hear like a bit more than what the TV kind of picks up on in terms of like people having problems or what they're looking for from their car and themes develop as to what teams are, are finding towards the end of a stint. Um, and you also get a good idea of who's like really active in terms of making changes. And that's one of the, you know, obviously you rely on a lot on your engineer and strategist to, to help advise with that kind of thing. But also there's drivers out there who play a really like um, important part in that and, and really take ownership of suggesting those changes and, and what they want. Uh, and that'll, I'm sure that'll be, um, you know, the driver is a bit more uh, proactive and that kind of thing will be, you know, the one who's uh, going to win the race or at least be in contention for it at the end. So, um, yeah, definitely recommend getting that app. It also has a, a live um, championship leaderboard on it. So if you're interested in like kind of seeing um, how the championships kind of playing out during the race, you can see. Obviously, the one big thing to celebrate is that it's not double points this year, JR. So we can uh, absolutely revel in that, um, as did a lot of the drivers who I spoke to in uh, media yesterday. They were asked about the, the double points and I think uh, the resounding majority are against so nice to see that disappear um, everyone will be driving just as hard for the race this year with uh, the normal number of points and uh, <laughs> a few might even be a bit more risky because they're not worried about for example if they're 4th or 5th they're not going to lose uh, as many points as they might have done if it was double points I guess so um, that'll be another interesting uh, kind of aspect of the race so make sure you head over to thehyphenrace.com for your latest features news uh, opinion um, there's going to be a story going up on the Friday so if you listen to this afterwards you'll be able to hear some uh, very interesting Zach Brown comments from his press conference on Friday where um, he said that Marcus Ericsson was under consideration for the future if uh, McLaren expand to, to four cars uh, he was asked very specifically, um, and the word steal was used. He was asked, uh, would you be interested in stealing Marcus Ericsson away? And uh, he said, first of all, I don't think you steal things. I think you lose things. And that felt like a very pointed uh, comment towards Chip Ganassi for not uh, not yet signing up Marcus Ericsson for the future. So uh, that's going to be a, another interesting storyline. As if McLaren hadn't gone off after enough uh, McLaren drivers in uh, Alex Alex Plo and Scott Dixon last year. Um, they're, they're adding Marcus Ericsson to the hunt. So we'll keep a close eye on that. And I'm sure that'll be a big topic of conversation after the 500. Don't forget as well, if you don't tune in for our uh, race uh, review podcast, which you definitely should do, uh, that uh, we're straight into Detroit next week where there's a new track, uh, which has a split pit lane, which is going to be absolutely bonkers to, to see how that plays out. It has been done before, I think, in Baltimore, but it was much smaller in Baltimore. Like, there was like two or three pit stalls at the side. This one's actually like a split in half pit lane where you have to go left or right in the pit lane and you're going to be pitting either side, which is brilliant. I think the, the feedback of the track so far is that it's tight and twisty, um, but the event itself is going to be fantastic. So keep a close eye on that as well. Um, we'll, we'll maybe talk a little bit about that after the race. So thanks very much. And uh, we'll speak to you soon on the Racing Car podcast. The Athletic.